it is an honor to share with you this morning. I'm, um, I'm excited to share with you about a month ago, Ryan had asked me to preach in November, and about a month ago he said, you know, do you know what you're preaching on? What's God stirring in your heart? And I said, well, you know that scripture in James where it talks about being double-mindedness, and a double-minded man is unstable in all he does. You know, that's just really been stirring in my heart. And then two weeks ago, if you were here, Pastor Ryan preached a message entitled, Off the Hook. This kind of piggybacks that message, and just in setting it up, I really wanted to recap that message just a little bit for you. But the core of that message that he preached was our forgiveness in Jesus, and that um, our struggle, humanity's struggle, to earn right standing with God was forever finished when Jesus died for us on the cross. When he said, it is finished, and he took his last breath, that struggle was forever finished, that we have right standing with God, and it's dependent upon Jesus, not us. And um, that message, just, it actually made me a little emotional as I listened to it, because he had alluded to a little bit how that truth played out in his own life. And um, I met Ryan almost 11 years ago, and I met him just a few short months, maybe two months, after he had fully given his life to the Lord and just decided um, to live for Jesus. And it was really just a radical change in his life. And it was so cool to see just his uh, fire for God, his passion, um, the freedom that he walked in, and the joy, and just, um, I just love it. When he smiles real big, his eyes just sparkle. It's one thing I love about him, and I know I'm embarrassing you. I didn't do that first service, but, um, you know, it was just so cool to be around that, and if you've come to church here, you've probably heard some of his testimony that uh, prior to that experience with God, uh, he was an alcoholic, he was into pornography, gambling, uh, just a lot of different things. And um, we all know that sanctification is a process, right? It doesn't just happen overnight. And it really was a radical change for Ryan, but, you know, we're all still going through the sanctification process, each one of us. So... I saw this joy and this freedom, and then he would sin and, and goof up, and um, his heart was to please God. I remember uh, one night we were driving around, and we're like, what should we do tonight? And he said, well, let's just go back to my apartment and read the Bible and listen to worship music, and you know, he was just so on fire, but his heart was to please God, but sanctification is a process. So he'd sin and goof up, and I just saw this weight just come upon him. And at that time, I was living for God, but I didn't understand the finished work of the cross and what was really happening to him. But it was condemnation and, and this fear of um, being out of fellowship with God, and oh my God, hope I sinned, and da-da-da-da-da, and then he was just, just so down, and just I just saw that joy and that freedom just kind of being sucked out of him. 
And it was so sad to see. And then just as we've, you know, lived life together and, uh, he, you know, he, he remained fervent in his love for the Lord. But some of that freedom was definitely sucked out of him. And I saw that, although I didn't understand it at the time. But as we've just grown in our knowledge of God and received more revelation from the word and teachings, particularly regarding, and he'll say, the finished work of the cross, that our right standing with Jesus, with God, is we have the righteousness of Jesus. That's ours. And it's always ours. And it doesn't leave us. He doesn't take it off. And It's ours forever. And just that security, um, as, as we received that truth more and more, I just saw in both of us, more freedom come back and more stability and we felt more anchored in our faith and um, so that message if you weren't here you can listen to it on the podcast but it really is just crucial to our faith and he talked about prior to that feeling like a yo-yo and kind of going back and forth you know in God's favor out of God's favor and the instability that caused So in light of that, I just want to look at with you James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, because it talks about being unstable in our faith, and I just want to go into it a little bit deeper with you. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. And I want to clarify with you that we all struggle with doubt from time to time. And this verse is not referring to if you have some doubt in your life about something and you go to God authentically and say, God, I'm just struggling here. I recognize I have some doubt, and I can't fix me, but you can just just help me, God. I give it to you, and you're authentic with him. That is what we need in our faith. What this verse is really referring to is, I believe, Satan our enemy. I'm not going to glorify him today. He was stripped of his power at the cross over believers. He doesn't have power over us. But the Bible does say that we are to be aware of his strategies. And he's referred to as the father of lies. That's what he does. His his goal, according to the word, is to kill, steal, and destroy. And um, Sure, he'd love to take our lives, but when I think of kill, steal, and destroy, it's so often in the little things in our lives. You know, the word talks about um, little foxes getting in and eroding the vine, and just little foxes getting into marriages and families, but over time, it erodes. And the lies that he may whisper to us may just be little lies, but the double-mindedness comes in when we know the truth of the word, and maybe it's something that God has just spoken to us, and then you know the enemy just comes in and he whispers that lie. And in a moment of weakness, 
being tired. We walk by faith, not by sight. But sometimes we, we hold on to the promises, and it, it may take a long time before we see it come to pass. You know that when that lie is whispered, if you don't shut the door right away, oftentimes, you know, this is something that I had struggled with. Um, I would know the truth of the word. So when that lie came, I wouldn't automatically just embrace it because it's opposite of the truth. But if I just entertained it a little bit, thought about it a little bit, instead of kicking it out of my mind right away, whenever I've opened the door a little bit, I've always ended up embracing it. You know, and after a while, I realize what I've done, and I go back to the truth, but it's that cycle of double-mindedness. And Pastor Ryan and I enjoy listening to Joyce Meyer quite often. I don't know if any of you do, but she's known for her teachings on the battle of the mind and on our thought life. And it's so important to realize that the battle really does start in the mind. Because our enemy will whisper a lie, and if we just entertain it a little bit and open the door, instead of just kicking it out immediately and going to the Word, calling a friend, just speaking out the truth, getting your mind on something else, whatever you have to do, it does create this double-minded cycle of kind of this back and forth instability. And... um, God calls us not to be in, 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 in stability, not to be a part of who we are or our faith. In 1 Corinthians 15, he actually says that we are to be steadfast and immovable in our faith, that we are to be grounded and anchored and firm and steady. And this double-mindedness is, is just the opposite. But what's important is to recognize, again, as the word says, that our enemy does want to kill, steal, and destroy, that he does have strategies. And one of those main strategies is simply lies. So we need to be aware of that. So when a lie comes, we can recognize it for what it is, and we don't entertain it, but we meditate on the truth. And uh, the lies come in so many different areas, and, and often each are just unique to us, what we're believing God for, unique to our circumstances. But there are three key areas um, that I believe that the lies come to all of us. And one is who God is, getting us to doubt the goodness of God. But again, just to refresh your memory this morning and to strengthen you in your faith, the word says that God is good. And one of my favorite scriptures says, all his ways are loving and faithful. Not most, but all of his ways are loving and faithful. God is love. And he so loved you that he sent his only son to die for you. So if a lie comes doubting the goodness, the faithfulness of God, you just meditate on those truths. Secondly, the truth of God's word. I take this word at face value. I believe what it says. And I want to read to you 
just a portion of scripture. It's from the book of Isaiah that actually talks about God's word. It's Isaiah 55:10, And it says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. This is God speaking. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Isn't that a great promise? When you spend time in the word, and, and sometimes it may not be long. There's some mornings my little guy Gets, he's the first one of my children to get up. He gets up before I expect. If he just sleeps till 6, I'm happy. And I, I don't get that time in the Word, but I'll say, God, just bring a scripture to mind so I can just think about it. Um, or as I was uh, going through and preparing this, this message, I just was paging through to this particular passage, and on the page prior to it, I noticed two scriptures underlined in chapter 54. And it says, All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be your children's peace. I've said that over my kids quite a few times. And it's not a work of speaking it over them. It's, it's getting in, it inside of me and just believing it. And God, thank you. Thank you that my children have peace. Do my children fight amongst themselves? Yes, they're kids. But is there peace in our home, a supernatural peace that is not in the homes of unbelievers? Yes, there is. And I'm thankful for God um, because of that. And just a few verses down, it says, No weapon formed against you will prevail, and you will refuse every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me. This word is filled with so many great and precious promises. And this verse in Isaiah that I had read to, I just love because it says, it will not return void. So when you send your kid to... Um, you know, life kids, twos and threes, fours and fives, and, or, or um, do a devotional with them. And you may not see the fruit of it right away. It takes a while when you plant a seed to see the fruit. But you can stand in assurance it does not return void, but it accomplishes the purpose for which God sent it. There is power in it. And as we study the promises of God, we get to see more of his heart, of who he is. He desires us to have peace. He desires to be our protection. It's all about him. Even you can't divorce the promises from who he is because it shows his heart toward us. So the truth of God's word. And then who we are. Um, so often the enemy will come in and want to cause insecurity about either our worth or our abilities to do what God has called us to do. But again, just going back to the truth of the word, each one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. I studied this a few years ago um, 
is just fascinating, but it says in a number of different occasions, God created us in our mother's womb. And when he did that, he placed the call of God on each one of us. Talk about not being able to earn your calling. He placed it upon you when you were in your mother's womb, and he created you to fulfill it. So when the enemy whispers, failure, you can't do it, insufficiency, those are all lies. We know God does not make mistakes. So no matter what your circumstances are, you are not a mistake. He wove you, knit you together in your mother's womb. That's an intricate process. It wasn't like, bam, there's Ryan. No, I mean, he knit him together, putting everything in him that he would need as he relies on God and does life through Jesus. One thing that um, I've done with our girls, I think most young girls, and I didn't... really everybody, I just know it from a woman's perspective, uh, didn't live for the Lord during my teenage years. A lot of insecurity. And, um, you know, so I really wanted to see confidence in my girls. And for years, since Amarissa was two, I've talked to her. Now faith has come up. As they are, I, I tell them that they are princesses. And you may think, oh, that's cute, and that's nice for little girls. But... Really, scripturally, I am correct, and I don't say it in this cutesy way, but I teach them that you have a Father God in heaven. The Bible says, Abba, Father, which means we are to call him Daddy, and we are his children, and he is King of kings and Lord of lords, and you are his daughter. Therefore, being the daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords, you are a princess. And a lot of um, your friends who may not know Jesus may not realize that you're a princess, but you are. And even princesses who live real princesses, um, you are an eternal princess. You will be a princess forever. And, you know, it's, it's been really special for our girls, especially in light of the Disney princess rage. Um, but... Wow, I have no idea how much money they have acquired on that. But, um, but really for all of us to realize that we are royalty, to know who we are in God, and not that we go around acting like we're better than anyone else. Our whole mission here, God's heartbeat, is to bring all of his children, those who don't know him, into his family. But it gives us this sense of, steadfastness that even though my circumstances around me may not be good, I'm his daughter. I'm his son. He's going to take care of me. So you can stand firm and rooted and anchored in light of circumstances that may be screaming at you to do otherwise. I'd like to read to you, if you could put up James 1.18. This describes um, <clears throat> the Father, who he is. And it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He does not change. 
and we, like him, are to be steadfast and immovable. I had taken this quote out of a devotion that Ryan and I have, and it just expounds upon those words um, in 1 Corinthians 15, just giving a fuller meaning from the Greek, and it says this. Um, the meaning of the word steadfast and immovable in the Greek imply that we are not to be flighty, fickle, here today and gone tomorrow, on-again, off-again type of person, but rather we are to be someone who is constant, stable, and dependable. And as we get that revelation of who we are in Jesus and who he is, that's just a natural byproduct of that. And double-mindedness, which is Satan's plan for us, is just the opposite. And two ways that, that double-mindedness can manifest, can show itself, just so you're aware, is one through our words. In Isaiah 30, 15, it says that quietness and trust is your strength. And I wondered, how is quietness a strength? But often we'll be believing something that we've read in the word, a promise, and we're holding fast to it even though we haven't seen it come to pass yet. But we might be tempted to speak just the opposite. Well, that, that's double-mindedness. And it's better sometimes just to be quiet. Quietness also can be hard to practice with the busyness of life. But when we get quiet in God's presence, or even read his word just with a quiet spirit. Just We can hear what is he telling us. So we're in tune to what he is telling us. Another form of double-mindedness is comparison. The Bible tells us that it is not wise to compare. That people who measure themselves with others and compare themselves with others that that is not wise. And that is a form of double-mindedness. Because God created each and every one of us unique, different from one another, completely different. Our circumstances are completely different. And, and only God really knows who we are, knows our circumstances better than we do. So to create some sort of security about myself by comparing myself to someone else is just stupidity. And to do that with our children is, not only is it stupid, but it just opens the door to the enemy. Remember when I said he whispers lies about our worth and about our ability to do what God has called us to do? comparison opens that door wide to the lies. So just guard against that. Be aware of it. In closing, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, we've been talking about how, how we are not to be double-minded, but really singularity is a tenet of the Christian faith. And this is what I mean by that. God makes it very clear that he is one. The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yet one God, singular. 
there is one way to the Father, and that is through his Son, Jesus Christ. We are all part of the body of Christ, many members, yet one body. And God demands that he be our one source, our all in all. He is our source for our security, for our joy, for our peace. Yes, I get joy from seeing my kids do kind deeds to each other, hearing their laughter. I I absolutely love when my daughter Faith comes home on Sundays and as she's doing something, she's singing the worship songs that she sang in Club 252. I love it. But I recognize that all of that comes from God. He is love. And if I'm going through a time where things aren't so good and my circumstances aren't so good, I don't fall apart. We don't have to fall apart no matter how difficult our circumstances is because he is our source and he does not change. He will always be there for you. And that's what gives us that, um, that confidence, that, that being anchored. We're just going to come to him in prayer. And, um, <clears throat> and then I'm just going to ask, probably during the prayer, I didn't do this for first service, but I do feel led to do it this service. If any of you is, um, are struggling with double-mindedness, it, it can almost get to be a pattern in one's life. Um, a cycle and um, where you just open the door a little bit and then you get into agreement with the opposite of who God is, of what his word says. And it, it may not even be a, a, a scripture verse, but something that, that you may be, be believing for your marriage and, and praying for a good marriage. And, and um, you know, when, when you pray, In the name of Jesus, it says in the word that when you pray in the name of Jesus and you come to the Father and you pray something in accordance with his will, it's his will that you have a good marriage. It is done. And you may not see it, I don't know for how long, but it is settled. So the circumstances may be screaming at you, my marriage This is terrible. But it will come to pass, and it is settled. And it's it's good to go to God and say, God, I'm believing, but right now it's just so hard. You're to be authentic with God, but you remain firm in what you know is yours and what he's given you. Let's just go to him in prayer. God, we come to you right now in the name of your precious son, Jesus. And I just thank you, God, for this opportunity for us all to be here together. I thank you for the freedom to to preach your word and um, to teach others about you and your goodness. First of all, I just want to ask if there is anyone in this room who we've talked so much and and we've worshipped the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, our Father, our Friend, our Savior, but you don't know him. You know a, a lot about him, or maybe you know a little about him, 
but you don't know him personally, I just ask that right now you would just raise your hand so that I can pray for you and that we can consider it done in the name of Jesus. God, I just thank you for those people who have raised their hand this morning. And God, I thank you that as they just say this prayer after me, that they would get it deep, deep down within their hearts that it is finished, that they are a son, a daughter of the king, and that will never be taken away from them, and that when they encounter struggles or sin, that they would run to you instead of running away from you because you are always there to help them and you've already forgiven them. So if you would just repeat after me, Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus. I receive the forgiveness of my sins. I receive his righteousness. I am your child forever. I, at this point, just want to invite... If any of you, if um, the Holy Spirit, you may not understand that, but it is the Holy Spirit living within you, just brings to mind an area in your life that you've been battling double-mindedness. If you would please just come forward, just so we can have a special time of prayer, just right now, if um, there's any area that you've been struggling with, double-mindedness. If you would please just... Uh, Get up, come to the front of the altar here so we can just agree together in prayer. Just as these people are coming, I just want to say that a characteristic of this church is um, we are not judgmental here because Jesus instructs us not to judge. And I just, I'm so grateful that we can be authentic Christians with one another, and that um, there is freedom here, which encourages courage and authenticity. And God, I just thank you for every person who came forward in faith and courage and expectancy. And I just agree with them, as does everyone here. And also for those maybe struggling in their seats. That double-mindedness is done in the name of Jesus. We break it in the name of Jesus. That when a lie is whispered contrary to what they are believing, supported by the word of God, that they will immediately recognize it as such and that it will be easy for them to just kick it out and say, no, I'm over that. I'm not doing that anymore. God is true. God is true. God loves me. And I just thank you, God, that in the name of Jesus, I consider it done that these precious uh, men and women of God will walk in more freedom than they've ever walked in before. We love you, God. I just pray as we go about our week that your words would remain strong in us and that we would rely on you for all things, that you would truly be our source. 
that you would be exalted in our lives when we do it right and when we don't. Help us to run to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a blessed week.